outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Oklahoma. Yeah, not my type. Why don't you like the metal? I don't know. Are you not angry? No. Why would I be angry? We just, had a re- we just had a great day. What do you mean? Yeah, the IOU podcast, the Inside OU podcast, which hello, everybody. Welcome to it. We're going to get right into this thing. Uh, Keegan was a busy little bee today. Oh, uh, we're recording. I got to let my dogs in, which is pretty funny. Welcome back to the show, the free show. Uh, unfortunately, we are not at Vanessa House, as you can tell by the audio of the pod. And also about the audio, I'll just go ahead and say this while Keegan steps away for just a sec. I am trying really, really hard to improve the audio, but also it wouldn't have mattered uh, because Keegan, I'm not going to have him drive from Edmond to my apartment or to Vanessa house. Uh, so unfortunately had just another zoom pod. And so another zoom audio pod uh, for what that matters, but hopefully you guys still listen and enjoy as much as possible, but hopefully next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled uh, programming. Uh, everybody, hope, hopefully you're all staying safe. Hopefully you're all staying warm. Seems like the worst is behind us. Finally. Um, I just drove my car for the first time in five days. seems like everything's melting. Uh, if we have any listeners in Texas, please don't feel free to hit Keegan and Keegan or I up on Twitter and just let us know how you're all doing because um, I think we talked about it on Tuesday, Keegan. We have friends and we have family that are probably in the North Texas area or just in Texas in general living in Oklahoma. And fortunately, my family is improving their their whole like house situation with power and everything and generators. So we're thinking about all of our Texas friends. This is not I'm not going to be one of those idiots that gets on Twitter and says, <laughs> Texas sucks. They don't have any power. No, dude, there's like 5 million people that are freezing to death. So if you're, if you're one of those folks, like, sorry, but uh, just not, not my type of humor to dunk on, but uh, shout out to Ted Cruz. Hopefully you're enjoying your, uh, your Cancun vacation right on with the show. Keegan, I wanted to uh, pat you on the back or give you a, a round of applause because like I said earlier, you were a busy little bee this morning the interview you did, you did with Ben Albright, that's up on the Patreon page as of right now. It's been up there for a few hours. Uh, you got that out. Uh, you'll probably hear a little bit of that snippet either at the beginning of this podcast or at the end, uh, probably at the end, so we can introduce some stuff into it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, do you want me to say who the second interview was? I mean, you already put it out on Twitter, so. Yeah, everybody knows who it is. Yeah, so you had... Current head coach at the University of South Carolina, uh, former H-back tight ends coach at the University of Oklahoma, uh, Mr. Shane Beamer, jump on a pod with you. So that will be up on Patreon tonight. So basically, I'll upload this podcast once we're done, Keegan, and then I'll get to the Shane Beamer one, put that up on the Patreon pod. And then next week, uh, for next week's uh, free pod, we'll put a little snippet of Shane Beamer and your conversation uh, for all of our freebie listeners. But uh you tired yet? Is your voice hurting? Do you need any soothing? Tea? Oh, I'm ready. You know me. I'm as I text still texting you about this today. It's just it's crazy. Um, still to this like like how do I say this? It's one of those days that just makes you blessed. Like like not saying being egotistic at all or anything, but like without the following I have, without the you know support from a lot of people, like shit like today doesn't happen. So just kind of grateful for it. No, it was really cool though. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it all. I know 
we have an interesting topic to talk about today. And I know you will give all the details better than I do about um, the conversation and, and who had it for one. I believe Dan Wetzel is one of the guys. I don't know who the other one is. Ty but, from the solid verbal. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and so we're going to continue to bring you guys great stuff and all the ones that want to support us off to the side the Patreon. Thank you guys for that. Um, to want to reiterate what Brady said, you know, I made a joke last night about the lights thing in Oklahoma. I think it is pretty funny, but regardless to all the people in Texas that are dealing with this, um, we're thinking about you. We're both very kind of, I don't want don't know sentimental is the right word for that, but seeing and knowing a bunch of people that I know in Texas, watching them suffer is not the best thing for everybody. So I, uh, thinking about you guys and I know I can reiterate again what Brady said. Yeah. And then of course our friends in Oklahoma and then if wherever you're listening, if winter has negatively or annoyingly affected you, you know, uh, shout out to you guys. Hopefully this podcast keeps you warm and entertains you and makes you escape for just a few uh, hours or so. But yeah, just in a, in one more quick plug on the Patreon page, Benjamin Albright, uh, Denver radio host, also NFL insider. Uh, he's got like 94, 3,000 followers on Twitter. So he's m- much, much more important than little old me and even Keegan. You know, it's it's not often that we find people on this podcast that are more important. Quit than it. Keegan. So stop it. Stop so it. that was I said to clean kind of, up dog throw up just to be able to <laughs> respond to that. It was actually a very interesting conversation because it was basically all about the NFL Oklahoma Sooners currently and the ones to be as he was down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, watching all the, uh, you know, what OU had to offer down there. So it's a great conversation. Highly recommend it. Not too long, about 20 or 30 minutes. So uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon pod, now's the time because some of the fun guests are going to start rolling in. I'm working on some. Uh, Keegan, I know, is working on some as well and uh, other projects. Assholes. Whoa, whoa. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Who are these assholes you're talking about? (laughs) People that think I'm an asshole, I guess, which is okay. Oh, I don't think That's anyone, all right. I don't think anyone thinks you're an asshole, Keegan. I think no, you, no one. I think people just think that you don't reply to them unless you have a hundred followers on Twitter. But start on an even lighter subject. So Lincoln Riley and the coaching staff decided to have a snow football game, and here's my biggest takeaway: I don't mm-hmm. like Lincoln Riley's throwing motion. <laughs> no, it makes. I, I, I was gonna make the joke last. Beside, I've decided to make the lights joke instead because it felt relevant. But no, I, I was going to make the joke of, well, now it makes a lot of sense why Lincoln had to walk on. Or, oh uh, boy, yeah, or yeah, or make the joke of, okay, it makes a lot of sense that he hurt his shoulder because I would have, I, I get that. Trust me, my throwing motion, throwing a baseball is completely different than it was whenever I was playing, and it has to be, or my arm is just not good. So yeah, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty funny to, that was my thinking as well. And uh, I, I think, you know, to the snow day video, one job well done to market it Two from the uh, hyping it up to it. But then two, they're so smart. Like so many parents are going to see that and be like, Oh, there's such a friendly coaching staff and like this and that, whatever. Like that's just a complete, like job well done calculation from Oklahoma and like credit. I'm, I'm assuming Zach Hefley, the guy who probably was had the idea and put it all together. No, I thought it was just a spontaneous snow football game. It looked like it. I mean, the acting was superb. It fooled me. I thought it was just camera roll the cameras. It's great. No. Um, 
it would have been really weird in some alternate history where Lincoln Riley doesn't have to walk on under Mike Leach at a uh, Texas tech. And he, let's just say that he was like one of those insert Texas tech quarterback here every single year when they were just reloading with fifth year senior starting quarterback every single season. would have been funny if Lincoln Riley got to that point where he was playing and then he played against OU, but I mean, it's not without precedent. Bob played against OU at Iowa one year in the 70s. So you're forgetting Mike as well, but. Um, A lot of people forgot about Mike. So there's there's really, (laughs) there's really, really no need to go further on that. I don't think, I don't, I don't think Switzer played against OU. I I don't think so. I don't think Arkansas. When he was at Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas didn't, Arkansas doesn't play, hasn't played Oklahoma other than bowl games. And I think they might've had like one, home and home in the 19 teens but other than that it's just been orange bowl and cotton bowl which is weird but arkansas is weird yeah i i thought the video was going to be of the players in the snow so i'm assuming that's still coming because they right can, can you imagine the replies stop running in the snow they're gonna tear the race god <laughs> damn it especially because this is right around the time where our good friend Jaden hazelwood uh tore his acl right a year ago well, shout out one good comment on Jane Hazelwood real quick. Shout out to uh, Marvin Mims for telling everybody what we already knew today. <laughs> uh, then two, then two, yeah, same comment. I but I totally thought it was, bro. I like I, that's got to be coming, right? They took all those pictures out in the snow. Like, there's got to be a video of the players of some hype video in the snow. Like, that's if that's not in the works, then like, what was the point of being out? I guess I don't. There's no. my there's my analysis of the of the Lincoln Riley snowflake tweet. It I wanted like and part of me wanted to like see that and hopefully that was only it. Like that was the only tweet he was going to send out Brady, and like we could have spun it into like wow, headline Lincoln Riley takes jab calling Texas cold or like you know jokingly saying it, but that didn't come to fruition. So <laughs> no, I mean it's. Look, like stuff like that, that Lincoln or OU puts out like fun, funny little content videos. It's always important to remember. And I would assume that people that listen to this podcast um, have an intellectual understanding that, yeah, that video is not for you or for me. Like you can like it or you can not like it. I kind of found myself going, I mean, this is cute, but it's not for me. It's for high school kids. And then, like you said, their parents just to try to sell the program of being fun. And that's really all Oklahoma. I mean, on top of the tradition, on top of the history, no, I'm not going to try and besmirch any of that, but like Barry Switzer has said before, like multiple occasions, uh, kids don't give a damn about what happened in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. They, they give a damn about what's new, what's hip, what's flashy, what's cool. And then of course, can you get me to the NFL? Like the cream of the crop of the kids that you're recruiting, can you get me to the NFL? So if you found yourself going, this is a waste of time, like why? Well, look, it's not for you. It's, it's for the kids and for their families and for Lincoln Riley to just kind of keep staying on top of it by like, hey, we got to push some fun little content out because, yeah, we can't go head to head with Alabama on the recruiting trail every single time. But what we can do is maybe divert some resources into just being fun and being hip. And I think we've talked about that with Lincoln Riley of that, of that that's kind of his angle so this is just very much in line with uh how he conducts himself as a coach and how he conducts himself as a personality and as a recruiter it seems like 
And Alex Grinch made need a little bit of selling to be a hard, uh, you know, an easy guy to be with. What was that's what playing? I was. What was he playing? Uh, Lincoln, throw me the football so I can look good and put my hand up in the air. I guess. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, what you hear about this defensive staff, right? Like that was a good idea. Like the fact that they were very easy going out there. I'm, I'm not saying they get negatively recruited for that, but as we all know, like Alex Grinch has gotten caught multiple times on video during games, just being <sighs> pissed. Well, so. that's what, that's what coaches do. They get angry. Like I get angry in a living room yeah. by myself screaming at a TV with 19 year olds on it. Cause they didn't <laughs> catch a football. So Dan, Dan, Dan Mullen just absolutely, is a, a god i had the adjective in my head but he uh damn old makes a fool, fool of himself yeah makes a fool of himself on the sideline unlike what some of these other coaches do but it, it, i was gonna say no dan mullen's an angry elf there we go i got i need to get that out oh he's 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 just an angry man um i'm sure he's mad about a lot of things that have happened over the last few months but um oh well i just had this thought keegan and i don't blame you if you don't have that much of an in-depth uh, reply to it but let's just imagine in some terrible nightmare scenario where it's the same coaching staff but mike hasn't been fired what does that snow video look like <laughs> if, if we got Car- snow video doesn't happen if it's carrie cooks mike stoops and the, and the gang <laughs> i mean does lincoln riley just torch them down the field just boom 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 touchdown boom 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 touchdown and mike's just like like back up guys back up like don't do anything just don't Think about doing something. I'm not, commenting. Don't do I'm not commenting on this. Well, I can. All, we already, uh, we've already talked about Mike once. So I don't want Jeff, I don't want Jeff and OK or Crimson Tide and OK to get mad at us for, uh, by the way, loyal listener, Jeff and OK or Jeff Tide or whatever his name is that responds to my tweets or to our tweets. Well, I mean, what are we doing in this business if we don't, you know, try to, I guess, not to try to avoid pe- people getting mad at us? I'm not going to. Go out of my way to say I effing hate you, you pos human being. I oh, I may hate, that. I may hate, but I may hate this guy. I know. You, I'm like, I'll throw that out there. If you hate on us because of an opinion or because of something we find funny, then I mean, I'm sorry. Um, well, I'm, he also tagged. He tagged Carrie and Josh, if you remember, um, after that pod that we talked about whenever they were discussing Ronnie Perkins in the draft, and uh, and they're like man, he's taking or taking inside info from the pay sites. It's like, dude, shut the up. Like, just stop. Anyways, I don't want to give that guy any more of a platform than I already have. People have opinions and they can do that and they can either like us, they can love us. That would be great and ideal or they can hate us or be indifferent to us. So basically what we've learned is if if you're a coach in college, you enjoy us. If you're a fan of Oklahoma, you enjoy us. But if you're a player at Oklahoma, you hate us. So, well, I mean, we don't know about uh, that particular player who decided to uh, subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> uh, for about 20 minutes so he, he, he could listen to a particular segment in a Patreon podcast. Uh, that player uh, is no longer a member of our Patreon pledge list, but... It's, it's the free pod, so no need to disclose any names, but it is what it is. You know, when you say things a lot, Keegan, as I found out, <laughs> not just while I've been in this business, but basically growing up, when you say a lot of things, sometimes you piss people off. Yeah, it's all right. I the mean, best, I, the best thing to do I, is I, to be I, polite and genuine as much as you can. 
I'm kidding. Not all of the OU football players hate us. I had at least four like a tweet I had today. So oh, there you they go. Can, they can, they can, the other ones can figure it out. Maybe we could all be best friends at some Maybe. point. Keegan, um, anything you wanted to just before we get into like the whole thing of this show, anything you wanted to mention real quick or touch on with your interview with Shane Beamer? I thought it was. Uh, have you watched any of it? I watched the first two minutes. I was trying to go on a snow walk, um, listening to it, but my phone, it would only play if my phone was literally on. I couldn't sure. just turn my phone off and listen to it. So I had to turn it off. Well, it's just, I think one, the you know biggest takeaway is that he is extremely high on Oklahoma for next season. And for all the reasons we think we think so, which is no surprise, but two, I, I thought it was interesting about what he was talking about with Joe Castiglione. And I asked him about, um, you know, I, we ran into Joe Castiglione. For anybody that uh, no follows us on Twitter, we may or may not have run into Joe Castiglione at one of our Thursday pods. And him and I got to talking, and we got to talking about Shane Beamer. And basically, along the same lines of – and that's what I asked Shane. Can't – right, if people that can't see this, Bertie just put his sunglasses on and his hair's out, and I can't, I can't take it. Anyways, regardless, Joe C and I, we were talking about that, and he basically said, you know, Shane's been, you know – in my office a lot we've been on a lot of phone calls discussing you know being a head coach at universities and this and that just kind of like grooming him to be a coach one day and I asked him about that because it's the same conversation that people had with Lincoln when Bob retired and they were like oh well you know they've been grooming Lincoln to be the next head coach at Oklahoma for a long time it's like okay so I wanted to get you know Shane Beamer's perspective on that and he goes oh absolutely and even Lincoln mentioned that to him that part of it when he got to Oklahoma was that, you know, he, they wanted to help groom him to become a head coach. And Joe Castiglione played a huge part in that, a huge part in that. So I think that, you know, Shane's very grateful for everything that he's got his way. Um, he's ex- obviously extremely excited about South Carolina. He knows how much of a challenge that is, which is you don't necessarily hear that out of new coaches, right? It's all sell, 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 sell. Like he understands that it's going to be tough. Like this isn't – He's not going into a job at South Carolina where he knows he's going to walk in there and things are status quo and it's all good. Um, so I, I definitely think that Shane understands um, where, where the you know room that he's going into. And I'm looking forward to you guys being able to watch, be able to listen and watch it. I'm sure I'll post a YouTube link to it on Monday or Tuesday and not let people wait too long. But I, uh, I definitely you know enjoyed it. I, this is that was for you guys, and I'm looking forward to you guys listening to it next week. Very sexy, Keegan. Good job. We're going to get into Albright's at the end, right? I mean, you've listened to that. We, I'm yeah. sure you have some takeaways from, from that interview. Oh, yeah, of course. Like the, the main thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, it, it mainly had to do with the fact that before I, I guess before I get into it, because we're going to talk about the not the latest Solid Verbal podcast that just, I think, released today about hot takes. We're going to talk about the one that came out earlier in the week. Uh, where they were just kind of going over like the elite programs currently um, and how how they could be upended, how could, how they could be uh, dethroned in their conference or just overall. Like so, they were talking about Alabama, Clemson, of course, uh, Georgia for some reason was in that conversation. Ohio State, Oklahoma was in there. Um, now, first of all, if you don't listen to the Solid Verbal podcast, um, I highly recommend it. It's a big national college football podcast. I or Ty and Dan, like you said, Keegan, they do a great job. It's entertaining. Uh, it's informative. They know their stuff, but we'll get in like, that's kind of the point. 
They didn't really know their stuff with this particular conversation, but I'm not mad at them. I don't hate them. I'm not angry. Uh, I still listen to it, but it's just a symptom, Keegan, of a big, like a broader thing that just irks me and annoys me. And I know a lot of OU fans feel this way as well. And I don't want this to be confused with the, oh, the, the thing that people have kind of figured out about Oklahoma over the last 10 or so years, mainly dealing with like the thunder of how like big people will say, like, I can't remember what his name is, Dari Anoka. Is that his name from ESPN? Uh, he's from yes. Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma. Well, like a few years ago, like about Kevin Durant coming back to OKC for the first time after he left uh, for Golden State, he he put out this big thing about how Oklahomans feel very um, is, is it insecure? I don't know if it's insecure, but just Oklahomans have this deep feeling of people don't care about the state, people don't care about anything here, so we go out of our way to try and project like friendliness, polite politeness, whatever. So that other people can come in and say, I like Oklahoma. Um, so whatever that is, I'm just losing the adjective in my head right now. But don't confuse it with that. And I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with that whole take. But when they were talking on the podcast, Keegan, they talked about Alabama. How can they be dethroned? And they were talking about how, well, probably if Nick Saban retires, because the likelihood that you get another coach that's as great as Nick Saban, of course, if it's not Dabo Sweeney, um, you know, it's not very likely. Um, the likelihood that another team in the SEC rises to the level of Alabama, uh, not just for like one random year, like an LSU or a Georgia, but for a sustained a period of time to dethrone them the old fashioned way, probably not likely until Saban retires. So that was kind of that kind of the same thing with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, although they were kind of more somebody in the ACC could derail them from potentially from getting to a playoff one year, especially after losing Trevor Lawrence. We'll see if DJ Uyunglele is indeed the second coming in terms of... You deserve a round of applause for nailing his last name. Boom, it's third time's a charm. Uh, we'll see if he's, you know, kind of in the same line of like Baker to Kyler to Jalen to Spencer, you know, kind of that same uh, line of progression for quarterbacks. Uh, then they got to Oklahoma, Keegan, and... When I said that they knew their stuff and know their stuff, they do because they can they can rattle off like San Jose State's receiving core, like way more about every school than you and I combined probably. Like they, they make that their job. Uh, but when they got to Oklahoma, I found myself very disappointed in them because they were using recycled and tired narratives about OU. The, the whole thing that really annoyed me was they came away saying like, oh, I think that OU fans are happy with what the program is. You know, they're happy with winning 10, 11 games, winning the Big 12 championship, and then every other every once in a while getting to the playoff. And that's where they ended that. Like, they didn't say potentially winning a national championship. They didn't say, like, the fan base is probably very annoyed with every once in a while you get to the playoff and then get shellacked or just lose. I came away thinking, like, they were talking about Oklahoma like they were a, like a mid-major and if you like college football, like I don't know that much about USC, but they're a blue blood. So I assume that USC fans hate what's going on there over the last 10, 12 years. They hate that this is so that their school is so average and so mediocre. And it's an also random. No one gives a damn about them right now. I'm sure USC fans cannot stand that. Texas fans cannot stand what's gone on the last decade or so. Um, so for these big national guys to just sit there and say, oh, Oklahoma, they, they play in that wacky big 12 no one plays defense all they do is score they got great quarterbacks Lincoln Riley is a good offensive mind uh they still don't play defense 
All they do is win that crappy conference and they're happy with that. And then they get to the playoff and then, oh, who cares? This is the University of Oklahoma. And we, we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday with the Kansas State argument, Keegan, about how there's, I think, a difference between expectations and, a, and your standard of success. Oklahoma has been a very successful program. It's been the most successful program probably since 2000 in terms of raw wins and raw losses and champ, like conference championships, individual awards, all that crap. At the same time, though, they haven't won that national title. So for them to just kind of gloss over the fact that this is a blue blood school with a rich tradition and rich history, I mean, the monster needs to be fed at some point. That's why 2021 is so important. I just kind of came away going, all they care about is Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and even Georgia more so than putting any thought or nuanced time into going into OU. Because if you did that, you would understand Alex Grinch is pretty good. The defense is going to be very good. That defensive line is probably going to be arguably the best unit in the country. For them to just say, oh, they don't play defense. Eh. I think that the reply would be, Keegan, and I'm almost done. I'm sorry. I think the reply would be, well, OU just needs to win a national championship to make that all go away. That's a lazy, lazy argument to make because Georgia hasn't won a damn thing. All they've done is fortunately play Mike Stoops, Oklahoma, in a bowl game that they should have been beaten in by 20 points if OU had a defensive coordinator worth a damn, an average defensive coordinator. So I'm sorry, just saying, oh, just go win a national championship and that will all go out the window. A, that, that shouldn't be it, and B, that's lazy. I want to touch on a couple things. One, I think they have a misconception of what who Oklahoma is now. Because if you watch the last two years, and again, the people that cover Oklahoma, and this is why, you know, local podcasts like this, local reporters, local talk, all that is kind of more important in terms of singular team stuff. Um, despite the stuff I'm hearing, uh, there's, I guess, down in Austin, radio is just ridiculous right now. But anyways, that's not a shot. It's not a shock. Regardless, like, we know that, one, the Big 12 right now within for the next three years looks pretty damn good because of the coaches that are in the conference. Two, Oklahoma is not this have to go score 50 points to win anymore. They, they're not. And Shane Eber even touched on that today a little bit. Um, and then the third thing is that – I don't think we gave full context of what this conversation was about. You know, they, I, it was hard. I couldn't tell if it was satire or sarcasm with some of it, Brady, right? Because it is, they were saying like, you know, immediately after they kind of made a hot take, they're like, remember, this is if hell freezes over. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like if they hundred percent believed or were saying a lot of the things that they said, but they were just more of like painting a picture of, uh, of why things do go in different directions. I, I, again, I, I want to reiterate, they have a complete misconception of how Oklahoma fans feel about the program or a misidea. Mis I don't know if misconception is the right word for that. I think that's uh, in relation to something I don't want to talk about. But uh, I, 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 and then this last thing, I want to touch on the coaches conversation. They're right. And I don't know who said this. I don't know. It's the, not the main guy, but the other one said this. He said, if Oklahoma misses at quarterback and they get a new defensive coordinator and it's not any good because they made a good point. Like how can you trust Lincoln to make the right defensive coordinator hire after Grinch because he kept Mike Stoops on a year longer than he should have. Like that's a, that's on his resume. 
so we know the basis of why Mike Stoops stayed at Oklahoma, right? Like we, like there's, we're not, I'm not going to sit here and go, you know, break it down for you. But I mean, there was a reason why he wasn't gone from Oklahoma after the 2017 season and people can take that however way they want, but they're right in a little bit of what they said. I, I, I think that the defensive coordinator hire thing, Brady is, is true. Um, I trust and, you know, we both believe right now that if Grinch were to leave somewhere, Brian Odom would just be hired from within. I'm sure if Lincoln ever had the desire to go to the NFL, the hire would be from within. Um, I don't see this as a program that's going to hire an external hire because of how well the program's in shape right now. And people internally are probably the ones that know how to run it best. So I don't see that. I, I see, and I'll, I'll just give you my perspective. And I, and I, after I'm done with this, give the, give the listeners a full context of kind of what they were saying. I don't have it written down. Um, I probably should have taken more notes before I came in on this, but I, I, again, I, I think that if hell freezes over and Oklahoma goes, you know, down plane just falls off the face of the planet. It's going to be like violations of some sort. It's going to be, uh, you know, full sell Lincoln goes to the NFL and takes Grinch with him, right? Like Lincoln, yeah. I don't think if Lincoln goes to the NFL, this program's in dire straits by any means. It's set up pretty well right now for anybody to come in and take the baton and keep running. So I, I just think it's going to take something drastic right now. And, I, and that's what they said too, you know, that it, of all the programs that they were discussing, they, I think they said they felt better about Oklahoma one, because of the conference they're playing in, which is kind of not the right idea. But I think I feel better about Oklahoma because of the infrastructure. They nailed it. I'll say this. I want to comment on, on something else they said, though. They nailed with Ohio State. Like, the defense in the Indiana game this year, the defense last season, really, at times, um, makes you worry. Like, that's a concern. Like, you play a full schedule and you face – you know, two opponents that catch you on a bad day. People forget Purdue beat Ohio State, a bad Purdue team or average Purdue team beat Ohio State two years ago, three years ago. Like, it can happen. So, so I don't I, – I'm not shocked that they felt that way about Ohio State. Uh, I, I think it's interesting the talk with Clemson that they said Clemson's just Dabo. I know you and I would dis, will disagree on that, but I don't see Clemson as that. I kind of see Clemson in the same vein as Oklahoma – I see Alabama, if they lose Saban, they're in, they're in trouble. I know you're getting wide-eyed a little bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't see if Dabo – I think the infrastructure at Clemson is as good as any program in college football. Okay, so one of the rules that they had before they started all this, and you mentioned it, and you mentioned it because, like, it's, it's, a, it's a reality that is, that's involved in college sports is they didn't want to use, like, uh, violations because that's something that can happen anywhere, and it's something that you really can't – predict um, you can't predict really anything but it's more likely that a coach leaves or retires or quits or some or whatever than a school like Alabama Clemson OU Ohio State gets put on like big time probation so I think that that's probably why they just said screw the whole probation talk like that can be for a different time but um, I, I think no matter who it is no matter what school it is you're always taking a gigantic risk if you bring up the conversation of if this coach leaves. So if Ryan Day went to the NFL or Nick Saban retired, um, and I think 
I think even Alabama, because there's always been this kind of thought that if Saban retired in the next three to four years, that they'd just go after Dabo Sweeney and he would say yes, because that's his alma mater and he's from Alabama. And it's kind of like the whole when, um, oh, what's his name? Bear Bryant uh, was coaching at Kentucky and then he was coaching at Texas A&M and then Alabama called and he took the job and he was like mama called or whatever. It's kind of in that culture in Alabama and in the South. So even still, like you're, you're still taking a gigantic risk that Nick Saban um, resigning or quitting or whatever, the next guy won't be Dabo Sweeney. Or even if it is, like maybe the success won't be the same. Maybe it just won't work like Dabo Sweeney can work at Clemson. So there are so many factors. Like I was excited about Lincoln Riley taking the job when Bob retired, but I still understood I mean, we've seen offensive coordinators, like hotshot coordinators, get big-time gigs. And some of them, you know, have gotten them fairly early in their careers, and it has failed. So I knew that that was a, I knew that that was a possibility. It was a gigantic risk that even though I was incredibly uh, uh, critical of Bob, especially in the last few years of his coaching career, I understood that this could end, this could end real quickly. All these seasons of 10 wins, but that pisses me off because they're not getting that 12th or 13th or 14th win that I desperately want as an OU fan. You know, I might miss those 10 win seasons because they start turning into seven, six or five, because if Lincoln Riley just wasn't the guy and he got canned or he took another job, you just keep taking that risk, hiring a new guy because so many things have to go right in order for it to work. It's not just Oh, use a great program, get anybody in there and they'll be fine. It's not that simple. So um, I think anytime you're talking about coaches leaving uh, you're always taking a gigantic risk. So on your Clemson thing, I guess I'm sorry. What in the name of God are you talking about? Their infrastructure is that of Oklahoma's dude. Clemson. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm saying like, I think that their infrastructure is like, I, I, did, I did say I did say it is as good, but like my my thing is like I see Clemson like if Dabo leaves, like someone can step in and pick up where he left off. Like I don't I, I don't I don't know, man. I really don't. don't know. I really don't know because Dabo Sweeney is a he's an odd personality. I think we can both agree to that, right? Like he he's one of those people that he's he's very corny, and yeah. Yep. Clemson needs a certain type of personality. Like every school, every region needs a certain type of personality, ideally to work and to thrive. And I think we always throw out the Texas example of like, you, you can't just be like a, a blue collar X's and O's head coach in Austin because so much, pol- so many politics are involved. So you have to be kind of a, you know, wine and dine them kind of personality. That's why Matt Brown was so s- successful down there. Um, Clemson, is not exactly the same at all, but the whole, like, we're just little old Clemson, like that works because Clemson is little old Clemson. They had one good run in the early eighties for like two or three years. And before and after that, they were, who gives a shit? And then they got into the two thousands and they were kind of like a nice little fun team that would win nine games or 10 games uh, when the big East and the ACC were somewhat respectable but then they Clemsoned all the time. They would get thrashed. They would get embarrassed and they would never do anything worth a damn. And they got Dabo Sweeney and they just kind of struck gold with the personality and with the, with a guy that is willing to stay there for a while. And they also struck gold in that they've got to pick up Brent Venables. And we know Brent Venables is a good defensive coordinator, 
Uh, he just has to have every single advantage at his fingertips in order to really yield the best possible result. Uh, so with Clemson, they have to get exactly the same type of personality. They need, they need somebody that just kind of goes in and thinks, Oh, golly gee shucks. Just come on down to Clemson, you know, and you know, pay some players or, you know, tell us. Yeah. That's well, that's what I was going to say. Like we're aware that Clemson's in the game. Like we both know things about Clemson that we could sit here and say Clemson's in the same knows how to play that game. So I'm not that part of it. I'm not too worried about. And it's clear that the donors and the money, big money people at Clemson are extremely invested into the football program. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to I want to say this, this. This is where Clemson's at. Clemson and Oklahoma, you ready for their BCRs for 2021? This is wild. I didn't even notice this. Okay. Clemson's is 63.95%. Oklahoma's is 63.95%. They mm-hmm. literally have the same talent profile as each other. And that doesn't account for transfers and this or that, whatever. Um, and Clemson d- doesn't take as many transfers in as Oklahoma. So, but – I think that, again, like I, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers real quick. Like Clemson has a class, let's see, in 2019, Clemson signed 12 of their 28 were blue chippers. Like that's going to hurt your BCR for a little bit. Um, once that gets off the books, two years from now, if Clemson signs two elite recruiting classes, they'll be on a level with Ohio State and Alabama. So they're not too far away from like being at a point where year in, year out, we're sitting here going, well, shit, like. Like, again, and the talk with Clemson, here, here's my point back to that. Like, Clemson does ignite, like, they, it becomes an issue for Clemson if Florida State becomes good again. Like, if Miami becomes who they should be. Like, we both sit here, like, I sit here with confidence and you're saying, like, I don't think Clemson can straight up just beat North Carolina this year. Like, I, I really don't. And so that's a, that's a concern for me. But I think if Florida State becomes good under Mike Norvell and, like, you've seen the BCR with, with Florida State, like, I mean, they've gone from 69% in 2017 to 33 for this season. They've got a couple years. Like, people need to be patient with Mike Norvell. But if they become good again, Florida State can recruit, and they're willing to play the game. So Florida State can recruit at that level. Like, okay, then in the conversation with Wetzel and Tim uh, – God, he, I forgot his last name is – but the conversation that they had – like, then I, I don't see the Big 12 having a power, like they were saying. I don't see them in the next four years having a power that can just go up and match Oklahoma year in and year out. Like, that's just not there. And neither it, it isn't for Clemson. But I think, like, like, Florida State, I know the recruiting hasn't been there, but I feel like Florida State can probably turn things a lot faster than, than Clemson – or than Texas, sorry – and that's strictly because Florida State is located in literally the hottest of hotbeds in the in the country in terms of recruiting. So I uh, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting conversation. It's thought provoking. Um, I, I again I I don't see Oklahoma Brady being an issue in the next five years of ever falling off. Um, especially now that it sounds like Malachi Nelson in Oklahoma is going to be a thing. Like there you go. There's there's another there's. <laughs> Like, if that becomes a thing, Brady, in April, if Malachi Nelson – or in May or in June, if when, once kids can visit, um, well, we hope that they can visit in June. And Malachi Nelson commits 
like Oklahoma's then set up what for this year, two years of Caleb Williams and two years of Malachi Nelson. There's five more years right there. Yeah. Well, look, the thing about recruiting and it's both very important. Yes. Like it's, it's important to have like a best on paper, um, best case scenario of like having two years of Spencer Rattler followed by two years of Caleb Williams followed by two years of whoever the next five-star best quarterback in the country is like, that's ideally what you want. That does not guarantee anything at all. You no. just you just increase your margin for error. And so when you're talking about the longevity of success of a program, if your first instinct is to go to like recruiting numbers, not just what they have now, but what they're trying to get in the next few years, all it takes is one or two bad years. And if Florida State or North Carolina or Miami or whoever the hell else uh, just simply beats Clemson and keeps them out of the ACC title game, that won't destroy Clemson. That'll put a gigantic chink in the, their armor. If that happened to Oklahoma, if they just didn't straight up make the Big 12 championship this year, there would be a gigantic chink in the armor. It would be hard to sustain. Like It would be hard to – I think that much harder to go into living rooms and try and sell the program when you're trying to reach the national championship. But, hey, you couldn't even win your silly circus conference, which kind of goes back into the original point of the topic. But um, to me – we're splitting hairs if we're going to talk about like Texas to Florida state, like Texas Texas can be that school in the big 12 against Oklahoma. And it should be Uh, Florida state is far away. They like, they are far. Oh yeah. Their offensive line room has like five years of work. They, they would wish for Texas's recent, you know, their last three or four years. Like they recent would, recruiting success. Like Texas, I'm looking at this right now, Brady, like Texas for this season's at 61%. Mm-hmm. PCR like Florida state's at 33. So I just, I don't know. I, yeah. Like I could see, I could see Clemson going down a similar path. Like let, let's say that Dabo Sweeney leaves or whatever. And then they just hire Brent Venables to be the head coach. And I have no opinion on Brent Venables as a head coach, but I have an opinion on him as a coach overall. He does not strike me as a golly gee shucks. I'm Brent Venables personality. He strikes me as a X's and O's, I know everything about football, kind of, kind of similar to Alex Grinch, you know, similar personalities. I don't think that that would work. I don't think Alex Grinch head coach at Clemson would work. I don't think that, you know, just think of some X's and O's smart, no bullshit. Personality. Oh, you know, what's on my head right now. What? You know, who's in my head right now, Bob, oh my God, no for Clemson. You ready? Who? Could you imagine after going from Dabo and we had to listen to PJ Fleck at Clemson? Good. Yeah, I, I don't. God. Well, the thing about PJ is he's fairly gimmicky as well. Oh, you, I know. If, That's what I'm saying. If you've got a gimmick, I think you can work at schools like Clemson, like schools that I think 20, 30 years from now, Keegan, like I'll be honest, we're going to look back at Clemson's run and I could be, I can be completely wrong, but we're going to look back at their run from what, 2015 till 15. Let's say 2015 to like 2024. You know, let's just say that that's their run. Yeah. Well, they don't have a court real quick. I don't, do you know, do they have a quarterback after you and Galale? Are you, you on Galale? Does, do they have I, a guy lined up yet? I do not know. Um, I would I'm assume looking, gonna, I'm looking up right now. But I feel like 20, 30 years from now, I'm going to look back on Clemson's run and say, oh, yeah, it was just like Miami had a good run in the 2000s and that ended. For them, like going back to the original topic, like the whole point of this is just I I still cannot fathom why 
and I, and I guess I do understand why, but it irks me that national writers, national people, national personalities, when they bring up Oklahoma, it's still with this now archaic narrative that doesn't hold any water anymore. Like, look, I want them to win a national championship really bad. And if OU loses a playoff game this year, I will be disappointed. But if they lose the playoff game because they're playing Ohio State or Alabama and they lose 28 to 24, fucking lose me with, oh, OU doesn't win a playoff game again. Oh, it's because they don't play defense. Like, get get the hell out of here with that bullshit. Like, stop yeah, being real lazy. Quick, the, the 2019 LSU game and the 2018 Alabama game, any team that plays either of those teams that night, they lose. I mean, that, that's – With those that's the, defenses. Yeah, yeah. Like, they lose. And so – and that's not Oklahoma-centric. I'm talking the way Alabama played that night, like Josh Jacobs played that night against Oklahoma, you know, like just in general. Uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say this. Clemson does not have a 2022 quarterback. But I believe, funny enough, Ty Simpson – one of Oklahoma's early quarterback offers. I think he's going to Clemson. I'm not 100% on that. But they don't. They don't have a quarterback lined up quite yet after Ewan Galele. And then, then, like, so for right now, with Oklahoma looking good for Malachi Nelson, like, that gives Oklahoma a leg up on Clemson in the future. So um, I want to discuss this, though, because I think it's important. Along these same lines, we didn't give full context of what these guys said. I God, I wish I had it. But I, I want to say this. It's Oklahoma will not be seen – as what we kind of see Oklahoma as right now. Like, this is an important year from an optics perspective, Brady. No one in this conference fears Oklahoma. They just don't because they lose these games to Kansas State. They lose these games to Iowa State. I just don't think, like, like take Baylor for this year, for example. Like, Baylor was dumb enough. It was not dumb enough. I, I mean this from tongue and like, a metaphorical standpoint. But Baylor was dumb enough to think they could have walked into Norman and won this year. Like – these that that is not the, the that's not what it used to be, and like this could be a big fear. year for that. These teams don't fear Oklahoma because the coaching staffs in this conference are very strong. Well, sure, but like Oklahoma like is, the, is the success there at every program? Of course not. But Dave Aranda, like you and I, we both respect the guy. Steve Sarkeesian has put together a really good staff down in <laughs> Texas. That um, hurt to say. I mean, Neil I'm Brown. Kidding. Neil Brown at West Virginia. I think Neil Brown's a very good coach. They've just unfortunately not had a quarterback worth a damn since he's been there. And like the cupboard was dry when he got there uh, after uh, what's his name? A Red Bull guy. Uh, but Dana, the, Holgerson. The co- Dana Holgerson, the coaching staffs in this conference are fairly good and they don't need to fear Oklahoma because that's what good coaches don't do. They, they don't go into a game against like the big dog and go, Oh boy, what are we going to do? Like people in the sec fear Alabama because Alabama has allowed like the sec has allowed such a stranglehold for Alabama against everybody else. Alabama doesn't have to go and play tough non-conference games out of schedule. They don't have to play what as many conference games or as many, whatever, like there's 14 teams in the, in the SEC. The SEC East is always garbage. So I, I just don't know, like, like what, what exactly is the point here that no one fears Oklahoma because they don't have to fear them because OU just keeps winning the damn thing. So who cares? Well, it's just like you look at 2019, right, where Oklahoma lost, you know, blew some huge leads and almost lost some games. Last year they lose to Kansas State, don't hold a lead against Texas. I don't know, just from a national perspective, like, I think this is this is what I'm saying. Like, 
and then in the conference in general, I, I think Oklahoma's close. Like, if they show up this year and beat everybody by a touchdown at least, like, and they go to OU Texas, beat the shit out of them. If they beat, do what they should do against Iowa State at home, they don't have a slip up, go undefeated, beat the crap out of everybody, just like you should. Like, even with losing an offensive line and having Caleb Williams, and I know people aren't going to pick against Oklahoma not to win the Big 12, Brady, but like, that changes my perspective for the next year if Oklahoma is capable of doing it and they could put it all together because they haven't yet under Lincoln. Like they just haven't. And so I, I think from just a, like, like, how do I say this? Like, you know, talking to Sam Mays or talking to, you know, those guys that I did the podcast with, with, you know, Rufus and Wes Sims, like they even make those kind of comments as well. Like from a player perspective, like, like Les Miles was not scared to go play Oklahoma clearly, like not at all. But, like, you talk to Sam and you talk to these people and they're like, fuck, we got to go play Oklahoma this week. Like, I just don't think – I don't think that that's, like, the mentality teams have or players have playing Oklahoma. And that's because they lose to Kansas State. That's because they play close games with Baylor. That's yep. because they, you know, with Iowa State, they lose games to Iowa State. So this is the perfect year. And we've talked about this. Oklahoma, you know, take away the Iowa State game. It doesn't happen this year. Oklahoma should be at least a 10-point favorite in every game they play. Like they need to, they need to live up to that. Like I, I, I know those are arbitrary, you know, arbitrary numbers to, to use, but I, they need to live up to that. Like go beat yeah. the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I would just say like, first of all, it's incredibly hard for, it's incredibly hard to go undefeated. Um, yep. no, ma- no matter where you're playing, uh, Alabama with all the titles that they've won, um, since, you know, what, 2009, how many of those seasons did they go undefeated? I don't think they went undefeated in all of them. I think they were def- there was definitely one where they didn't even, they didn't even play in the SEC uh, championship game. So it's incredibly tough to go undefeated. This is the first time since 2017. And even then, going back to my original thought about, well, it's always a big wild card when you're going, for, like when you're, you know, a successful coach is leaving. Um, I thought, well, if Lincoln Riley is indeed the guy, I feel really good about this team going undefeated because of all the experience and because Baker Mayfield is special. They of course did not go undefeated. They lost to Iowa state in the regular season. It's incredibly hard to go undefeated. Um, I, I just would hope that the same nuanced uh, understanding and take that these national people have when they're watching Alabama beat teams in the sec now uh, 47 to 31 or 52 to 28 I would hope that there's there they watch OU games when OU is winning 52 to 28 with the same understanding of okay like the offenses you're kind of like you're compelled to kind of come away with the thought of okay the offenses are still so wide open it means the defense is out there a little bit longer so points get hemorrhaged the game was well over this was not as close as even the score indicates uh, because people seem to national people seem to have that idea when they watch Alabama and the SEC now but when it happens with Oklahoma, it's always like, <laughs> how silly was that? Because even I remember listening to the solid verbal after or after the week of the uh, the OU Texas game, and they kind of just laughed at it. And trust me, we I screamed about it. I was angry about that game, but they did not at all recognize that um, OU was up thirty-one to seventeen. And Lincoln Riley's play calling really opened the door for the nightmare scenario, which unfolded. It was not because of the defense. The defense did not do anything wrong. They were on the, they were just left 
out to dry by their play caller, by their offensive play caller. So um, like, look, there's so much crap involved with this. I'm sorry that I'm kind of scatterbrained, but the other thing uh, from that whole conversation that really irked me, uh, Keegan, was when they got to Ohio State, and it was right after they talked about Oklahoma, and they mentioned Ohio State having the built-in problem of, well, they have to be a national recruiter, which, which they are. I mean, look no further than some of their uh, secondary players that have been from uh, the state of Oklahoma recently. And Texas. And Texas, but... DFWs, uh, to, be, to be exact. Exactly. Now, it's funny how they... When they talked about Ohio State, they talked about the disadvantages, but then they just assumed that, okay, well, Ohio State will be able to do all that. They're, they're a legit elite program moving on. But when, they, when they're talking about Oklahoma, again, they just paint it as a mid-major. They just paint them at – they paint Oklahoma at the fan base, the program, the disregard for the history just pissed me off, I guess. I, I, no, nowhere in this fan base will you find somebody – that is happy about the fact that we haven't won a national title since 2000. If you thought the layoff from 85 to 2000 was long, this one is now longer. No one's happy about that. That's why this year is so big. So I don't know why a school like Ohio State, which I I get it, they have flashier, better NFL talent than OU over the last handful of years, especially on defense. And I get it. They've won a national title more recently than Oklahoma. And in fact, they've won two because the one they won in 2002, uh, and then they won the first one in 2014 for the playoff. I get it. But where's that same nuance? It, to me, it's just a complete lack of wanting to even scratch the surface of what Oklahoma is. And to me, from national people that like college football, I'm frankly surprised. So Ohio State's lost two national championships, 06, 07. They won it in 02. They won it in 14. But they've now lost a Fiesta Bowl. They also lost another Fiesta Bowl. Um, Or that wasn't – oh, that wasn't the playoff. Yeah, so they've gotten beat by Clemson twice in the playoff, just now beat them in the third game. And then, you know, like, they got beat in a national championship. Like, I – I feel like I don't feel strongly about Ohio State this season. I don't feel strongly about Ohio State in the coming years. Like, who's going to play quarterback? Like, that kind of, like, like don't and they, get me wrong. And they, mentioned, and they mentioned that. They were like, this is going to be big for Ryan Day in Ohio State because re- we've really only – and I agree with them on this. We've only really seen Ryan Day coach Ohio State for one season. Like, this was yep. a weird Big Ten year, obviously. And he had just – They gave up, like, like, 600 yards of passing to Indiana. Yeah, they should have – Indiana! They probably Sorry. they probably lose to Indiana if Pennis doesn't get hurt. Yep. So. So yeah, the, you know that's what I'm saying. Like I again this season, you know, we're, I'm gonna hit the nail on the head. I, I I jokingly said this to Shane. I go, I'm not gonna ask you about my projections with Oklahoma and Georgia because I know that's gonna put you on a hot seat. But uh, I, uh, but even like that's the same. Like you know, he felt kind of nodded his head and felt the same way that it's going to be OU and Georgia this year. So I, it doesn't surprise me at all that like we're sitting here right now. And, you know, a lot of focus is on the, you know, they, and that podcast, right. They were focused a lot on the coaches like at Alabama that, you know, they just bring in these new coaches. Right. And I'm like, you know, like, sure. Like they do, but remember this hasn't always gone smoothly. Like in 2018, whenever they beat Oklahoma and got smoked by Clemson, 
Um, I remember Dave Bartu, which is CFB Matrix on Twitter. Great follow, one of the best and most informative follows for college football. He was touting all season long that Alabama's coaching staff was going to be the reason why they didn't win, and it was like the, they they were they were not they were out coached by Dabo in the national championship game. So now is you know a down year for Alabama, you know making the playoff, winning a game, and losing a national championship. Yeah, I think that is a down year. But I also think think this is probably the most vulnerable Alabama is going to be. It's kind of like Oklahoma this season, right? Like I, I, I feel like Alabama is as vulnerable as they've ever been. And as we both know from watching them, and you've heard heard me say this, they have a issue in that secondary. I don't know if Saban needs to just let it up and not try to coach it. I don't know if they need to get rid of Pete Golding. I don't know if they need to find uh, their DBs coach left this year. I think he went somewhere. So. I, they, you know, they've got kind of a systematic issue on defense at Alabama right now. And I'm just, you know, like, like Matt Corral and like, I'm not sitting here and you've heard me say this about that stretch, but you, you hear all this, right. And then you see that Matt Corral probably is going to end up being a top five quarterback in the draft next year. Lane Kiffin's not scared of playing Nick Saban. So like, I, I again, I just, I, whenever you have that conversation about like which power is going to fall first, I, it's so like, it's a great conversation to have, but I just don't feel like you can lump all of them in, you know, like that's, this no, is every, kind of every, every, every program's different. You know, every program yeah. has a different set of advantages and disadvantages. Well, the other part that we didn't mention was like Clemson, right. Is an hour from Atlanta. Alabama's located in the South. Ohio state's put NFL guys in the NFL since urban Meyer got there in 2013, you know? So like, those are advantages that those schools have that Oklahoma's about to have, but they don't have yet, you know? So like, you can't, I don't know. I don't think you could put a ceiling, like they're trying to put a ceiling on Oklahoma, right? Like, I just don't think that like there is a ceiling. I, I mean, again, Alabama's BCR is 83% for this season. Like Oklahoma's at 63% and they should keep climbing. Like they, their BCR and the talent profile should keep climbing. So yeah. Um, I was going to say, I did look it up. Alabama, they, two years they've gone undefeated. They've lost in the national championship game. They went undefeated in 2009 and they went undefeated in this season, the first one yeah. and this most recent one. Um, they've been undefeated. I touched Clemson doesn't have a quarterback committed um, for this upcoming class. Although I think Ty Simpson and that even then like Oklahoma's got, I think has the advantage there with Nelson. So um, no, it's an interesting conversation. And I had a point, I forgot to, um, something that you were saying that I was going to wrap it up on. But um, no, I, again, I think that they, the people that go back and listen to this podcast from the solid verbal Brady, they'll, they, they'll get what we're saying. I, I think it was a little, again, I, I think they're a little misunderstood of who Oklahoma is at this point. Oklahoma is not an offensive school. They're not just a strictly offensive school. And you could wager to say that the quarterback play the last two years hasn't been as good as the defensive play which is wild, but it's true. So I, they just have a, they, they, they don't have a good idea of who Oklahoma is, nor do they understand the direction of the big 12. And even, uh, and to this credit, I brought up Shane Beamer, right? Like Shane Beamer agreed that the big 12's got four of the top 10 defensive coordinators in college football now. Like yep. they do. So it's crazy. No, like I think that there is, there's no, there's nothing wrong. Like if they had gone into the Oklahoma conversation and talked about it, like in terms of the last two or three years, 
fine. Like I don't have a problem with you putting a ceiling on Oklahoma's success from a year to year basis as it stands right now, but it's completely untrue or unfair to put a ceiling on the, on the a desire for success for the program of Oklahoma. The program is, you know, the, the history, the whole thing that it stands for um, compared to like the season by season thing. Cause that is, that is, of course that fluctuates. And when Oklahoma was an offensive school, primarily they were that out of necessity because some things got lazy and some things just fell by the wayside. So the only way that Oklahoma could really do anything was to simply score 60 points a game. And when you do that with an average defense or whatever, if you score 60 points, you're going to give the opponent a lot of opportunities to score at some point and your guys will just get tired. And that's why all these things happen. But um, no, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. It's interesting, interesting enough that I wanted to talk about it and scream about it, but uh, I'm done crapping on the solid verbal. Cause once again, I don't, I don't, don't hate them. I just thought, okay, you're talking about Oklahoma as they are recently, but you're talking about Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, even Georgia, as they always have been, or as they have never been because Clemson and Georgia aren't blue bloods. Like they're, they're, they're schools that have runs and then they go back to being, eh, we're a logo school. So, yeah, I will. We, again, well, I, I think we feel the same about Alabama and Saban. I think we feel the same about Ohio state. I think you and I also feel the same about Georgia, but this is, you know, again, this is, this is like an LSU 2019 year for Georgia. Like everything's kind of coming together for them yeah, uh, for one it's, season. It's going to be so funny when they get to the SEC title game. And if it's Alabama out of the West, um, or if it's somebody, say it. if Don't it's somebody, game, it. I'm, I'm just going to like, the whole point is, <laughs> it's going to be so funny whenever Georgia goes undefeated it. with this soft-ass schedule and then they get exposed for what they are because JT Daniels ain't it, dude. Like, he's he's okay. He's no better or worse than Jake Fromm. He's more talented than Jake Fromm. Yeah, he, he's a little more talented. It, it's, more, it. it's more to do with the fact Kirby Smart doesn't like offense. He's, again, I, I I get that. I just think that you know, whenever like like take Ed Orgeron for example, right? Their like offenses I, are so boring, man. They're off. They weren't. They wasn't last. It, it wasn't last year. It it really wasn't. Like they were taking shots downfield. Like Dwayne Mathis and homeboy uh, frat boy, what's his name, uh, Stetson Bennett. Those guys just were not capable of doing it. And then JT Daniels comes in, and those deep balls were getting hit. So I have confidence in Georgia that for one season that they can get it done. Uh, then JT Daniels leaves and it's Brock Vandegriff against Caleb Williams, which I like, it wouldn't shock me at all. And on the same lines, like if it did turn from Clemson to Georgia for, you know, three to four years, as Clemson kind of repositions themselves, like that wouldn't shock me at all. So um, those are on the same lines. I know we're about to uh, play the interview and then get into that, but I, uh, I definitely think that like, again, I Oklahoma is in, I just mentioned, like, you've got Spencer Rattler for this season, Brady. You've got Caleb Williams for the next two. And then you've got a, another cat behind that already for the next two years. Oklahoma's feeling pretty good about themselves. Now, yeah. they, and Shane Beamer's very jealous of where Oklahoma's at. Well, I just hope that everybody's healthy in the offseason this year because I'm, I'm a typical fan. Like, it's, it's fun to think about, like, the future future. I just want to win a national title this year. And then we oh, it's going to be it, – yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's stability, though. Like, you have to love stability. Oh, boy. Well, 
So you can go ahead and plug the interview that uh, our lovely listeners are going to be hearing just a little bit of a snippet of. Yeah, it's interview again with Ben Albright. He's one of the top NFL insiders, one of the best Twitter followers. If you are an NFL fan or fan of football, Um, he's got the goods. He always has the goods. We get into basically everything with the NFL guys, Oklahoma guys in the NFL, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. Uh, what the? Uh, I don't know if you guys are going to be getting what happened with Orlando Brown. That's going to be on the Patreon. But uh, yeah, just basically every all the juicy stuff up ahead of when we start talking about JJ Watt. Um, and you guys can come to the uh, Patreon and get the rest of that. So there's our uh, you know help us. We've got a, a great thing going over there. If you want to hop in and get full interviews like that and the full interview with Shane Beamer, you can. But again, here is the pod. Here is the segment with Ben Albright. Being joined by, in better words to say, by a special guest, Benjamin Albright. He is a top NFL insider, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, uh, a guy that I enjoy seeing his inside. I think he's one of the best to, to do it at that NFL level. He's a radio host, uh, reporter for KOA News, the Denver Broncos flagship station. But his Twitter is exactly where you want to be if you want to get your, your in, inside NFL information. Ben, thank you so much for joining the Inside OU podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. We got to get you some better taste in radio hosts, though. That guy sucks. <laughs> hey, if you, you know, we're from around here in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. So trust me, we are uh, we would gladly take some better radio hosts. And that's not talking about uh, uh, <laughs> not, not talking about the station that this podcast works for. I'm talking about maybe a, a competition. So hopefully that's to, this, that doesn't go over too bad. But regardless, Ben, I, I like I said, you're. You, followed you now probably for three to four years I think that's you know been rising for the last five to six um yeah it's been really great to follow and I I wanted to start out with this did you enjoy burning down the entire city of Denver last night yes that was uh that was wow okay so and and people are trying to um say that I called the Carson Wentz thing with that and and I would love (laughs) to claim credit for that but that was not what that was I was just horsing around I uh I got in the studio and I was eating some Chipotle and we're getting ready to do the show and so I was just like gonna promo the fact that we were about to do the show and I don't know if I just like didn't make a connection that people wouldn't take it that way or I just didn't conceptualize that whatever but oh my god um, <laughs> like within the span of two minutes, I think I had a thousand comments in my mentions asking what was going on and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm an irresponsible Twitter user. <laughs> so we have those same issues, uh, whenever like an Oklahoma beat writer or people here, you know, Lincoln sends Lincoln Riley will send out the eye emojis, or if someone sends a GIF out, whatever it may be, it's, it's the same thing. So now it was hilarious seeing the, uh, people responding that were in group messages, sending your tweet in. And they're all like, no, false alarm. Nothing's happening. No Deshaun Watson in Denver. Right. I had, uh, uh, yeah, I had a, a, a guy reach out. He's like, I told my whole group chat that info was coming or whatever. I'm like, man, I owe you a beer. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, but in the meantime, it's perfect because it relates to Oklahoma perfectly. Um, breaking news right before this started. The Philadelphia Eagles have traded Carson Wentz, the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that can turn into a first. I think what I read is it's in terms of snap counts. Like if he plays 75% of his snaps or they make the postseason, um, don't have that tweet pulled up in front of me. But one, what just get your immediate thoughts on that. Just it's just a massive trade in the NFL. Obviously not the only quarterback to be traded this offseason. And then two, 
This may open a door up for Jalen Hurts to be uh, a starting quarterback in the NFL next season. Trying to be that confident. Well, let's start with question one. Um, you know, yeah, it's a big trade. Um, I don't think that the Colts really gave up a lot, but there weren't a lot. There wasn't a lot of offer in for Carson Wentz. Um, the, the Eagles kept leaking all these these. Uh, uh, what's the family friendly word here? Crap offers um, that were that were not accurate at all, uh, hoping to drum up a market for him. And you know the Bears kind of tested the water a little bit, but they were they were really it was it was always going to be the Colts. And so that that's the thing. Like Denver called, but never made you know any kind of offer at all. In fact, they laughed when uh, when Philly said they wanted a Stafford type deal and hung up the phone. But um, it's it's just you know it's it's funny to see kind of. Um, you know, how this stuff shakes out. I, I thought back in December and I, I retweeted a tweet, just, you know, being kind of smug um, and, and, you know, and being kind of a jerk. And that's, that's what I do. But um, back in like, I think the first week of December talking about this very trade and um, you know, it was, it, it, to me, it's, you know, it was obvious. Um, you know, I think it's a, a best fit for everybody involved and, you know, for Carson's sake, hopefully he can resurrect his career the way Ryan Tannehill did um, for Jalen hurts. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be the starter. I, I still mm-hmm. think they're going to draft somebody, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, he'll get a shot. You know, I mean, he'll get training camp and he has a leg up. He's got a little, you know, a couple of games starting experience and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think that Philadelphia is going to pursue a quarterback in the draft. I, I could be wrong on that. Um, but from what I, from what I had heard uh, that, that it was not just going to be Hertz's job. They were going to draft somebody and may the best man win. Would be pretty funny if it ended up being Mac Jones, but I don't, to what you're saying, there's been a lot of talk about Zach Wilson and Justin Fields for the Eagles. So that, that makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, with that being said, it, it comes into the same conversation that we had with, you know, at Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. We got to see him for one year, uh, but it, it just was in terms of things just didn't go as smoothly in terms of how the offense was run. And then Lincoln Riley adjusted and basically ran, you know, a, quarterback power run game for the second half of the season to be able to win football games and I don't think Ben you can attest to this as well as anybody that's not going to work out in the NFL if he's not able to do um, the things that if Lincoln Riley can't get him to do it at Oklahoma it's going to be tough for him to get it to do it at the next level so were you surprised that Jalen struggled there was obviously a lot of people that had momentum um, or we're talking glowingly about Jalen heading into kind of his first start and first appearance this year. What, where were you at with that? Were you, were you down on him? Were you up on him? I don't ever want to be down on somebody per se. I was skeptical um, based on what you just said, uh, you know, watching him in Oklahoma and seeing how they had to change the offense up a lot. I, I didn't think that, um, that that particularly framed him well for, for NFL success. The fact that, you know, usually when, I'm always skeptical of quarterbacks that transfer because I want to like, I'm like, why did you transfer? Were you not a fit for where you were at? Could you not beat out the competition, that kind of thing. And, you know, with Jalen, it was exactly that. He wasn't going to beat out to you know, I mean, that was, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was kind of the thing. And he, he already didn't beat out the, uh, you know, so it was, it's just a, a situation where, I'm like, all right, he's going to a quarterback factory. Now let's see what he's able to do within the confines of that. And so I, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't, you know, I mean, the report, the, the reporting on him was nothing less than effusive in their praise. But if you look, if you watch the games, you're like, well, wait a minute here. This isn't exactly, you know, I mean, he's completing like 48% of his passes here. This is not, you know, this is not good. This is Tebow level accuracy uh, in terms of completion percentage. So, um, I, you know, it's not to say he can't grow. I mean, it's not to say he can't get better. I mean, you know, guys get better all the time. So, you know, I still hold out hope, but at the same time, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't super stoked 
stoked about like him coming in. Wasn't like, Oh, it's on now. You know, I, I wasn't sitting there. I wasn't sitting there saying any of that. Yeah. Jalen's definitely one of those guys. You kind of have to go all in on offensively and have to run a system just, just uniquely around his skill set, which he's basically a running back at the quarterback position. And it's, it, it's just so interesting. So speaking of transfer quarterbacks in Oklahoma, right, we'll go to a guy in your division that the Broncos play twice uh, with Kyler Murray, what, what he obviously had all the MVP, you know, first half of the season and obviously it tapered off. Uh, what, what, how do you think he has played so far through his first two years? You know, Kyler, I think he went to the place that was a perfect fit for what he does. I think the things that I was concerned about with him coming in the league still very much exist. They just don't do that in that offense. Um, it's a lot of outbreaking routes. Um, it's a lot of, you know, easy stuff for the quarterback. Um, and then they take advantage of the fact that he can, you know, he can kind of move a little bit too. And that, you know, take advantage of that mobility and as an additional stressor on the defense in an attempt to try to dictate that he still struggles to see and throw over the middle of the field and between the hashes. It's always been the knock on him. It's still the knock on him. Um, but you know, he's, he's certainly performed at an above average starter level in the NFL so far. Uh, and I can't knock him for that. You know, I, I, I'm concerned that if he'd gone to a different offense, that the results wouldn't be the same. You know, if he were playing in a North Turner offense, it'd be bad. Um, but you know, I, I think he's in something and, and good for the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury for, you know, recognizing the skill set and catering to that rather than trying to make a square peg fit around hole. A lot of people here in Oklahoma are kind of saying Cliff Kingsbury, obviously people here have gotten to see him up close and personal during his time at Texas Tech. Is, is he a problem in Arizona for them? Is he, do you see that potentially being like a longstanding issue? Or I know like from your Twitter, I can, I don't know if you're, you know, not a Vance Joseph guy or not, but there's obviously a lot of conversation on the, about the defense. Well, Vance Joseph is a decent defensive coordinator. Um, the problem is he runs man like almost exclusively and your DBs get tired. You know, chasing fast receivers all over the ball over the field all game in the fourth quarter, you get tired and it led to teams coming back on him late, you know, with a gas defense. So that's that's the knock on Vance. Uh, he's got to learn to keep his guys fresh or have a better rotation or maybe even play a little bit more zone to kind of keep those guys allow him to I don't want to say take plays off, but, you know, kind of not have to chase uh, somebody all over the field. I think Vance is an OK defensive coordinator. I didn't care for him as a head coach. He didn't really understand, you know, what that was supposed to be. He's too busy trying to be buddies with the players than be a than be a coach. And, you know, that was sort of a problem uh, with Cliff. You know, I, I was always skeptical of him. I, you know, the offense has put up good numbers, but I mean, if you're a guy who's had Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and you couldn't win with them in college, uh, what are we doing here? So that, that was, that was something that bugged me a little bit. I don't know how long that coaching staff's going to last. It's not like they've been appreciably great in terms of their record so far. In fact, if you look, I, I'm pretty sure that Cliff and Vance uh, and Vic Fangio have the same exact uh, head coaching records, give or take. Uh, and, you know, everybody talks about how Vic's on the hot seat. So, you know, I, and, and they had a number one overall pick, you know, quarterback to roll with. So, you know, I think that for me, I think it bears watching, but I don't think Cliff has exactly been as successful as a lot of people think he has. Meanwhile, that defense was really good last year and Kyler kind of took a little bit of a step back. So they're going to have to do some more to uh, cater to what Kyler does. And they, they gave him a great weapon in Nuke Hopkins too. That was the right move to make. Um, but they need a, they need another reliable field stretcher out there. And uh, I, you know, I, I could see a bounce back in year three. I'm going to stay in the division here, Ben, and, and move over to the Los Angeles Chargers and a guy that, a lot of Oklahoma fans have a, a, lot, a huge affinity for um, and Kenneth Murray, uh, middle linebacker, just the way he was able to help resurrect Oklahoma's defense. 
Um, I think he, you know, encapsulated a lot of what a lot of Oklahoma fans wanted to see out of a defense. D- did you get to watch him up? I know, I know. Obviously, they played the Broncos twice. Did you, you watch him closely at all? Um, just kind of what were your impressions of maybe what he was like during his rookie season? Uh, I remember watching him, uh, watching his tape coming out because he was somebody I was kind of interested, maybe pairing next to Alexander Johnson for the Broncos. Uh, and I, 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 you know, my description for him was like a heat-seeking missile with no guidance mm-hmm. system. Um, you know, I mean, like <laughs> that's that guy that you're walking in the mall, you're around the corner, you, you know, you smack right into him and he's like, did you bump into me? And you're like, I hope not. Um, cause he's, you know, he's just built like a brick, you know, what house and I, he, the way he hits, you know, I love the way he hits. It's just his football instincts at times a little off, but I, maybe that'll come, that'll get a little bit better with reps. I thought that he was in a system. It didn't really feature or showcase him as well as they could have. Um, and, and maybe that'll change with Brandon Staley there now, because, you know, I think he'll be more in the, in the same role that Alexander Johnson's used in in, with the Broncos. Um, And so, you know, I I think he's going to be in a better scheme now. Um, I like him. I think he's, I think he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal athlete. They just need to turn him into a phenomenal football player, you know? And, and I think that that's, I think that's the thing. I hope the player that he is the player that he could be, I hope they meet this year. So he was a guy that came to Oklahoma as a safety out of high school and then played on obviously under Mike Stoops's regime for two years and I obviously a lot of people just point towards the Rose Bowl from his freshman season. And then you turn on the and then he goes in his junior season with Alex Grinch and Brian Odom in this group. And Ben, I'll, I'll tell you this, you're going to be watching a lot of Oklahoma tape defensively over the next couple of years. They, they're, they're, uh-huh. They've got they've got guys all over that front six and, and getting better in the back end. And I will get into a couple of the guys he saw at the senior bowl, but it's. With Kenneth Murray, it's just so intriguing the fact of just how high can his ceiling be. And I, I, he was, he, I think he's still scratching the surface of what he could become. I was down on him his first two years at Oklahoma, and then his third year, it just took off. And it was like, okay, someone opened up something that he, we haven't seen yet. So I'm interested to see if he can kind of continue to build, like you're saying, at the NFL level. And I don't know much about Staley, but I, I know a, a, not just you, but talking to other people at the NFL level, I have very high remarks about him and think Kenneth Murray would be a great fit. So I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing that because I, I, I think that, again, he, he's a guy that kind of went through the fire. And you understand this. Like, he, he was kind of thrown under the bus, right, as being the middle linebacker and the captain of that defense that lost the Rose Bowl and then got beat by Alabama in the Orange Bowl. So I I'm, I'm, I'm really hope, you know, for his sake, just kind of a fan of the kid and see what he becomes. But I want to move over to uh, the most probably important one here and a guy that you had to go to bat for a lot at times this year and Baker Mayfield and what's going on in Cleveland. Was this a prove it year for him? Did he prove himself or is he going to have to have another big year? Well, I, yeah, I think he proved himself. I, that my, it's my personal opinion. Um, there's always going to be people that are skeptical and this, that, and the other. And, you know, how hot take radio is, you know, piping in with that kind of stuff. Anytime he struggles a little bit, it's, it creates a talking point for, you know, for yeah, screaming radio guy. So um, I, I thought it was, I thought he proved himself. I thought he put himself admirably, especially with the fact that he didn't have Odell Beckham, you know, and then, and then things really started to take off. If you add that to the mix, maybe that helps out a little bit. We'll see. I thought he just has a better connection with Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins and guys like that. Um, you know, I, I've always been a big Baker fan. I, I'm a huge Baker fan. When he was coming out, I was a huge Baker fan. Um, and I, I, you know, it, that rookie season, I thought he he did pretty well. I thought that uh, the, the down season was a byproduct, I think, of a coaching staff that had absolutely no clue what they were doing. Um, and it was funny. I've talked to people up there in Cleveland, and they were basically they would practice something all week and then not use any of it in the game. And uh, it was just it was just a bad situation there in Cleveland. Just, just really bad. I'm glad they got the right people. I thought it was interesting with his whole thing about Kyler 
uh, because there are fears that I have about it. And it's just from the standpoint of he is so damn small and I've never been a big believer in Cliff Kingsbury, but at the same time, there's no denying that that is Kyler Murray's best case scenario offensively for him. And I hope that it doesn't undermine his potential because um, I think he's talented enough to really do anything that anybody would ask him to do, but he's been in this system now for two going on three years. So it'd, it'd be a little silly to just say fire Cliff Kingsbury and put in a completely different offense in there at this point with Kyler Murray. But at the same time, MVP potential is there with Kyler. Like and that might be a little hyperbolic considering how the second half of their season went, but the first half of their season wasn't BS. Like that was, that was real. We all saw it. So I think very highly of Kyler, but those fears are still there. He loves them some Baker. God, he loves him Baker. That I think that should give the people that listen to that, that should give them a lot of confidence about um, the direction of the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield as well. I mean, I basically he said he doesn't need really need to prove himself much more. Um, I know on the Patreon side of things that you know, those of you that subscribe that get to it, Brady, I definitely thought it was interesting that what he thought about Ronnie Perkins. He's a top 40 guy. Like, you know, like that's, again, that is not a place where anybody expected him to be. And yeah. it bends coming out and saying stuff that affirmative, that means that it's going to happen. So um, that alongside the conversation about Jalen Hurts, which I think everybody will enjoy. I, I think it's thought-provoking because we didn't touch on the whole coordinators thing, and that's on me. Um, I should have brought that up, that he hasn't had the same coordinator yet since he started college football, um, even including the NFL. But I, I, the fact that he still thinks Philly's going to trade up and go get a quarterback, I mean, that's no shock to either me or you or most of the people that listen to this podcast. Uh, and then I, I thought the last thing with Ramondre, he is a big Ramondre Stevenson fan. I mean, yeah. he, he, he was talked glowingly about him. I know Denver's in need of a running back. Like he mentioned, Ramondre would be a good fit in Denver. Um, yeah, but that's it. And I thought he threw, it was nice. It was good. Another, we'll, like I, you, you'll hear on the pod on the Patreon, where we plan on, he wants to come back on before the, this next football season and talk him some Spencer Rattler because he loves him. Um, I was talking to him after he loves him some Spencer Rattler Brady. So there's the, uh, thanks again to Ben. Yeah. Thank you once again, Ben and good job, Keegan. Uh, great conversation uh, for OU fans to go listen to on our Patreon page once again, but everybody, thank you for listening to the free pod. Uh, we love you guys as well. Of course, uh, shout out once again to Vanessa house. We will be back next Thursday. Hopefully there's no more winter storms. I want spring here right now. So um, go listen to the solid verbal. I love listening to them. I listened to their latest one. So no hard feelings. Uh, just the angry OU fan in me just was unleashed. But everybody, thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys later.